0: It's a great day. Well, you could turn in your Bible to Philippians 2, and we're going to launch this morning as we continue in our Portraits of, Je- of Jesus series. We're going to launch with a few portions of Scripture and then dive in. And so our, our main text this morning is out of Philippians chapter 2, and this is written by the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church, and it says this, Philippians Philippians 2. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of, only, uh, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then our last key text for this morning, we will have more scripture, but for now, every preacher is like, this is the last one, besides the seven other ones. Hebrews 4.14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Father, we thank you for your word, that it transforms our life, God, that it's living, it's powerful. And Lord, this morning our prayer, our desire is that we would see you, Jesus, more clearly, that we would have a true glimpse of who you are. Father, would you speak through me this morning? I pray you would help me to clearly articulate your word and communicate your word. Holy Spirit, just open our, our the eyes of our heart, to behold Jesus. Lord, if anyone doesn't know you this morning, we pray that they would have an encounter with you. Come have your way, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this morning, uh, we are continuing our series on the portraits of Jesus, and I would encourage you, um, if you weren't here last week, to watch Pastor Steve's message. He preached a great message on um, Jesus as fully God, that Jesus is fully God. And he began to introduce um, this doctrine of incarnation, which we'll look at, and it's this, that Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully human. And so this morning, um, we're gonna be unpacking, looking at more the, the humanity of Christ. And so we know the deity of Christ, that Jesus is God, but this beautiful mystery that Jesus is also Man, fully man, that he came into the world we live in, took on flesh, and walked among us. And, uh, and I will just say, as I get ready to communicate this, that I feel very humbled to preach this message because this morning, like, we're gonna just barely scratch the surface of looking at this reality of Jesus as fully man and fully God and fully man. And I feel very humbled to communicate this. So, my prayer is that we would just get a better glimpse of Jesus. And that it would, it would stir up a hunger in our heart to keep diving in. Does that sound good? <clears throat> and so I was thinking about this morning, you know, we're looking at this, this picture or this series of portraits of Jesus, seeing Jesus correctly, and I don't know if any of you have ever been to an ultrasound before. Anyone seen an ultrasound picture? Exactly. You're like, what is, what is that? Uh, I, you know, uh, with our son Wesley, when we we got to find out the gender, and uh, we invited both Riley's mom and my mom to come to the ultrasound appointment. And then with our daughter, we invited our moms to come to this ultrasound appointment. And both times, the same thing has happened. We go to the ultrasound, and and they, they start showing the picture up on the screen. And I'll be honest, it looks like hot lava to me. I'm like, my child is lava wow, <laughs> flattering, you know? And so they're like, the, the ultrasound tech's going and, and they're showing the screen of the thing. But, but our, both our moms with exuberance, they're looking at this screen and they're like, oh, they're beautiful. And all of a sudden, you know, they're like, oh, it's the foot, it's the foot. And the ultrasound tech is like, um, that's, that's actually the spine and you know and they're like oh they have your nose and I'm like should I be offended or complimented at this moment because that does not look like a nose right there you know and it's this beautiful amazing thing and it's emotional and you see the miraculous work of God in in this beautiful child being formed but I'll be honest, I look at this picture and I need the help of a professional, that ultrasound tech who has spent years learning to decipher what we're actually looking at. And I'm thankful for that ultrasound tech because she does this. When she identifies something, she types it on the screen and you're like, that's ex- yep, that's right, that is the kneecap. Thank you. I think if we're honest and we look at the scripture... Uh, it is possible that we can think we are looking at Jesus and have a wrong view. We're saying, this is who Jesus is to me, this is who he is, And, and then all of a sudden we look at the scripture and we say, I think I was looking at a wrong perspective, a wrong picture of Christ. And as we're in this series on the portraits of Jesus, it's a journey as a church to take eight weeks to just more closely look at various pictures of the truth and reality of who Jesus is. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I was looking at the wrong Jesus. I was creating him to look like what culture said who Jesus is, what my feelings said Jesus is, but the reality is, is it doesn't matter how I feel about Jesus, Jesus is who Jesus is, and he is our savior, he is fully God, and he is fully man. Can I hear an amen? amen. You guys are allowed to amen. It's just totally okay. So here's the thing, we're looking this morning, we're going to lay a little bit of foundation as we get ready to dive in. So bear with me. Um, This first reality is that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. And as we look at the humanity of Christ, we have to recognize this. That there was a distinct moment in time when Jesus, the word, left heaven and he took on flesh and became human. There's a, there was a distinct moment in time, and the Bible says in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh. Like, there was a moment where God, who always was Jesus, fully God, who always was God, eternal, but there was a distinct moment in time where he came and he was man. He took on flesh. Um, it's A man by the name of Matt Perman says this, it should be obvious that if Jesus is God, Then he has always been God. There was never a time when he became God, for God is eternal. But Jesus has not always been man. The fantastic miracle is that this eternal God became man through the incarnation approximately 2,000 years ago. That's what the incarnation was. God the Son becoming man. This is so important to understand as we look at this reality, is that God, Jesus, fully God, he never suddenly became God. He always has been. He's eternal. But he chose, that is what is so beautiful, is there was a moment where he said, I am entering into mankind and becoming man as well. It's important to know that Jesus really entered humanity as a baby, born of a virgin, and had to grow in wisdom and stature. We see that, here's the thing, like don't be fooled that Jesus coming and taking on flesh, he didn't like come and wasn't birthed and suddenly speaking as like a four-hour-old baby like, I am the son of God. No, he took on real flesh. He was a real baby. Who really cried and really went to the bathroom and really had to learn how to eat. And really had to learn how to walk and communicate and grow. And the Bible teaches us he had to actually learn to, he had to submit to his parents. And he learned the Torah. And he walked the same dusty roads. This is crucial for us to understand. Is that this God-man, fully God, was fully man and really grew. That, that's a good song that's a really good song listen it says in Luke two forty, speaking of Jesus the baby and the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him and then we don't really hear much about Jesus till he's 12 years old And in Luke 2.50, it says this about him. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Speaking of 12-year-old Jesus submitting to his parents. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus, fully God and fully man, he really entered humanity and really walked the same dusty roads we walk. He understands the journey of growing and having to learn to build relationships with people, communication, all of those things. We we have to look at this reality as we lay the foundation that the doctrine of incarnation was very important and a key focus for the early church. In fact, this doctrine, and what is the doctrine of incarnation, we'll look at it in a second a little bit more closely, but this doctrine of Jesus being fully God and fully man, it was actually one of the first heresies uh, people were coming against this, this doctrine, this truth. And it was one of the first heresies uh, that the early church had to come against. And you're like, what's a heresy? It, in our modern-day equivalency, it's fake news. <laughs> right? So, like, that no one laughed. We clearly, all news is not fake news. Not just kidding. <laughs> Tough crowd. Listen. One of the first heresies, uh, heresies that was coming against the truth that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Uh, the early church came against it. In fact, remember last week, Pastor Steve taught about the best friend of Jesus, the Apostle John, and in First John, the scripture he shared in chapter one. Uh, remember that the Apostle John was saying, "Hey, with this Jesus, we've walked with him, we've touched him. Like he's real. He was really. He was not a figment of our imagination. He wasn't a ghost." appearing he was not like God coming teleporting in in like a, a, a and, and he wasn't actually there no he was in the flesh here on earth and so in second John uh, verse 7 he's writing to the to these people and he says for many deceivers have gone out to the world those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Like the early church felt it was so crucial that you know that Jesus came and lived as a man on planet earth, that they came against anyone who would would say anything otherwise. And so later on in the, in the, the early church fathers, they felt it was so crucial that they actually um, the early church considered the incarnation to be one of the most important truths of our faith, and because of this, they formulated what has come to be called the Chal- uh, Chalcedonian Creed, and it's a statement which sets forth what we are to believe and we are n- what we are not to believe about the incarnation. And so, there are five truths that the Christian Church across the globe, the major branches, hold to, and here, I'm going to give them to you, and then you guys are going to get out of. Bible doctrines for a few moments. Is that okay? You guys went to to Zoe Bible College for a few minutes. Y'all, do we get an A for this? we get college credit? No, but you get to have truth. So here's the five main truths that the large Christian church attests to. The first is this, is that Jesus has two natures. He is God and man. This is important. Second, each nature is full and complete. He is fully God and he is fully man. Yet, number three, each nature remains distinct. Verse four, Christ is only one person. There were not two Christs walking around the, the God Christ and the human Christ. but it Christ is one person, and in him dwells the full Godhead bodily, fully God, fully man. And five, things that are true of only one nature are nonetheless true of the person of Christ. And these were so essential that the early forefathers in our faith, they gathered and they actually said, we need to identify and articulate this doctrine of incarnation. And these are the five things that we hold to. So how does that, like, why does this matter to us? beyond being able to have at lunch today go let's talk about the five points of the chalcedonian creed you know that that's a good conversation started what'd you learn in kids church kids jesus loves me well let's talk about the chalcedonian creed okay why does this matter because see for, for many reasons it matters, but, but this morning we're looking at that the picture of Jesus, if we're going to look at Jesus, it shows us the example to follow. It matters immensely every portrait we see of Jesus. It matters immensely that we truly believe that Jesus is fully God, that through him alone can we be saved, faith in Jesus. That we, It matters immensely that Jesus, our Savior, would come and become man, that he would take on. On the flesh and he gave us a physical real life not a theory he gave us a real example to be followed in this life he came to show us what it looks like to really really follow the leading of the holy spirit jesus modeled to us a life dependent on the father and the holy spirit he showed us a life of obedience and surrender He showed us a life of how we can walk through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and overcome the temptations that come at us every single day. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, he said this, he said, imitate God, Ephesians 5 verse 1, imitate God, therefore. In everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Jesus, the God man, and Jesus, fully man, the man part willingly offered his life up, and it was a pleasing aroma to the Father. Jesus' life is meant to be followed. And, you know, I was thinking as we're preparing for this message, I think that it's really easy to get the wrong lens and the long, wrong view of Christ, and actually begin to get lies we believe, and when we buy into those lies, we cannot see the truth of Jesus. And the Bible says that it's the truth that will set you free. As long as I believe a lie, as long as I've bought into lies and I see Jesus incorrectly, and if, as, if I see Jesus incorrectly, it will lead me to walk after Jesus incorrectly. It will lead me to live this life incorrectly. And so this morning we're going to look at four potential lies that you or I could believe, and the truth that Jesus showed us that contradicts and tears down those lies. And my prayer this morning is that we would just get a better, true view of Jesus, and that we would behold him, and as we behold him, we would be changed. Amen? You you guys okay? You with me, church? So we're going to look at some examples of how Jesus' example defeats the lies we believe. How does Jesus walking this earth as fully man show us a different way to combat the lies that come at us? I think the first lie that any one of us is in danger of having believed or currently believing is this lie is no one understands what I'm facing. And perhaps you hear that and you say, you know, you come to church and you're like, what are they going to say? And then you see it, you're like, whew, this one doesn't, that one's not me, so I'm good, I'm out of the clear. But I think this lie that can come at us, this lie that says, no one understands what I'm facing, um, it may sound like this. You may be believing this lie if you hear this narrative in your head, if you hear voices in your head. Anyone? <laughs> You're like, can't say that in church. You can, but... Um, You may believe this lie that no one understands what you're you're facing if you hear or say things like this. Something is wrong with me. I'm the only one that is facing this temptation. I think they have these slides up there. Something is wrong with me. I'm the only one that faces this temptation. I can't tell anyone that I struggle with those thoughts or sins. They would never understand. They have it all together. They wouldn't understand what I've come out of. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever thought those things? I can't tell anybody what I'm actually facing. They would, they wouldn't understand. They would think something's wrong with me. I'm the only one who faces these things. I'm the only one who struggles in this area of sin. But the truth is this. The truth is that Jesus faced the same temptations and struggles we face, yet he did not sin. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 that we don't have a high priest who doesn't sympathize with our weaknesses, uh, he, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus literally faced what we faced. You say, yeah, but does he know what it's like to be betrayed? Yes. Jesus knows what it feels like to be betrayed. Does he know what it, what it feels like to, to have temptation? He had Satan himself tempting him. And we just have chocolate cake tempting us. You know what I mean? We're like, get away from me, Satan. you're like, no, you made that chocolate cake. You are Satan. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Jesus understands. And so when the lie comes at us, it's so important when we hear the narrative in our head, I'm the only one in the whole universe that could be tempted to look at that. I'm the only one in the whole universe that could be tempted to use that. I'm the only one. It is a lie from the pit of hell and we have to defeat it in knowing that we have a God who came to earth and he took on flesh and Jesus, the son of man came and he faced him. Temptation face on, and yet he was without sin, and he shows us how to defeat the lie. I'm not alone, I'm not the only one that faces this. Jesus faced it, but he overcame it, so I can overcome it through his victory and through his example that he gave me. Lie number two that we can often face is the lie that I'm only human, I can't be like Jesus. I don't know what it looks like to walk in freedom. Have you ever potentially ever uttered those words? I'm just human. I can't be like Jesus. But we have to remember it's so crucial. He was not only God, but he was a man who really faced real temptation and real struggles. You might say you might hear that lie and say I, I don't think I've said that, but you may be believing this lie if this narrative plays in your head. You can't expect you can't actually expect me to live like Jesus, really? You silly. <laughs> Maybe it's only in youth ministry. You know, youth are like you. Be like Jesus. The Bible, maybe you've heard this narrative in your head. The Bible is filled with nice suggestions and positive stories to encourage me, but not expected to be followed. You don't know the kind of family I came from. At least I'm better than they are. Or we look in church and we're like, I'm doing pretty good because have you seen the mess they're in right now? And we're buying the lie that You can't expect me to actually look like Jesus. Perhaps you hear this narrative. I'm a slave to this addiction. There is no way out for me on this side of eternity. There's no way you can expect me to find freedom. It's not worth even trying to walk in freedom. I'll just fail. Why even try to walk in the ways of God if I'm going to just stumble? And those are all lies of the enemy because the truth is this. Jesus gave us an example to follow. He gave us, he showed us how to live. It says Paul writes in Philippians says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It is possible to put on this mind, a new way of thinking, and you have access to it through Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. We saw in Ephesians two where he says, "Imitate God, as dear children," and then it goes on to say, "Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ." We say, "Okay, how do I defeat the lie that you can't expect me to look like Jesus, to follow Jesus?" You know how we defeat the lie? By literally doing the complete opposite, which is what I saw Jesus do, that's what I'm going to do. Jesus showed me an example. Jesus showed me how he responded when temptation came from, the, from Satan. He always responded with the word of God. He showed me how to live a life to, to, to walk in, the, in, in absolute surrender to the Holy Spirit and the Father. He showed me a life that looked like going into the secret place of prayer. So how do we defeat the lie that i can't look like jesus is by doing what jesus showed us to do and we do that by diving into his word and saying how did jesus respond how did he grow how did he face those things he gave me an example not to be admired he gave us an example to be followed he gave us an example not to just be above our kitchens where we're like that's a great encouragement That's great. But more than that, he gave us an example to follow. And as I follow Jesus, I'm changed. Amen? Lie number three, we're we're, we're getting close, is the lie that I'm all alone and I'm abandoned. I'm all alone and I'm abandoned. And you may be believing this lie if you hear narratives in your head like this. I wasn't worth fighting for, and that's why my spouse or my parent, And my loved ones left. I am unlovable and not worth someone's time. I can't hurt or be hurt by anyone if I live an isolated life. How easy is it to live this life thinking I've been abandoned, I'm alone, I'm rejected, I'm forsaken. But the truth is that Jesus willingly took on flesh He came as our mediator and bridge to have an undivided relationship with the Father. You say, "How do I know that I was not left or abandoned? That I'm loved? How do I defeat the lie?" You got to look at Jesus. That Jesus, He emptied Himself. That He came to the earth. He didn't count. He lived in in perfect harmony with the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And then He said, "I will come to planet Earth." His whole life is a love letter to you everyone in the world, though, though your mother, your father, everyone closest to you, they could leave you and you have to understand this truth. The creator of the universe came to earth and took on flesh so he could be with you, so he could have relationship with you. So when the narrative comes and says, I'm alone, I'm abandoned, I'm unlovable, you have to kick it in the face by saying, my savior Jesus, he came and he really walked these dusty roads and he really made a way for me and you have to understand this in Colossians 1:27, it says to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory do you realize that because of Jesus coming living a perfect sinless life willingly dying on the cross rising up from the grave he now we now have access to Christ living in us the hope of glory So you're never alone, you're never forsaken, you're never forgotten because Christ is in you if you have received him as your Lord and Savior. So even when people reject you, though none go with me, still I will follow. Like when no one else is with you, you're like, I got Jesus all up on the inside because he made a way and it defeats the lie of the enemy. Last lie we'll look at is this lie. I am a slave to my feelings Emotions and impulses. Nobody in our church would ever say that until crumble cookies are in front of you. I am a slave to my feelings, emotions, and impulses. The narrative that plays in your head could sound like this if you're believing this lie I can't help who I love, it's just the way I feel. I was born this way, you can't expect me to be able to change. If it feels so right, how can it be wrong? My truth is my truth, your truth is yours. It's not hurting anyone else, so it doesn't matter. They hurt me, it's my choice if I want to be bitter. And the lie that the enemy comes for us to believe is I'm a slave to my feelings, my emotions, and impulses. But the truth that defeats this lie in our life is that Jesus faced the full range of human emotions that we face, yet he was not controlled by them. He overcame his emotions through submission. Oh, we love that word, don't we? I'm uncomfortable with that word. His emotions... Come on, you guys are allowed to laugh through his emotions through submission to the Father yielding to the Holy Spirit in prayer. You have to understand, we come face to face with Jesus' humanity and the deity of God in, in this man. We come face to face in the Garden of Gethsemane and it's the night before he is to die and Jesus in this, this place, we see the wrestling of the humanity of Christ and in, in yielding to his, his purpose. And we see Jesus in the garden, and he's saying, Father, if there's any other way... Please take this cup if there's any other way to get out of this like like please remove this from me that's not God asking for God to remove something from him this is the human part of Jesus this fully man part crying out agonizing saying my emotions are in fear it literally says he sweat drops of blood and we believe the lie that I'm a slave to what I feel I'm a slave but Jesus showed us a different way he submitted to the father and he said nevertheless not my will but your will be done and we defeat the lie of the enemy that comes to say I'm a slave to what I feel if it feels right it must be right no what's right is what the word of God declares is right and we have to cling and say nevertheless God Lord if you could take this from me if there's any way to change it like God you can do that but not my will I'm not a slave to it and Jesus you You showed me that you willingly laid down your life at the cross. You willingly faced those real, raw emotions. The Bible shows us that Jesus hungered. The Bible shows us that Jesus, he thirsted. It says we know that Jesus wept. We know that Jesus marveled. We could go on and on. Jesus had real life emotions. Can I hear an amen? And yet he showed us he was not a slave to them. He showed us a different way to walk in truth. Are you with me as the band comes up? How do we respond to this? When we see the portrait of Jesus as fully human and we see what he willingly did for us to show us a different way, it should lead us to follow his footsteps and to a deep place of worshiping our Savior like never before. When I see this reality that Jesus fully God and fully man and I behold the real reality that Jesus really walked these dusty roads, it should lead us to go, Lord, my God, my Savior, wow, you didn't have to. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn this. But you willingly came to build a way of relationship. It should lead us to worship. It should lead us to awe and wonder. It should lead us to drawing closer to Christ. See, there will be a day, and Paul writes, and he says, hey, Jesus, he willingly laid his life down. He willingly, he came, he emptied himself, he walked these dusty roads, but there will be a day because Jesus, fully God, the God-man, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. The the flesh man of of Jesus died, he rose again, and he is alive forevermore, and he will be glorified. There will be a day, that Philippians tells us, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess and give the glory due to Jesus. And so when I see the example Jesus gave to me, it should lead me to my knees to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can say "Thank thank you. As we land this morning, we have to remember this truth is that God is not scared of your humanity or broken places. Jesus is not afraid to get in the mess. But he understands our real needs and problems. Jesus is not afraid of your broken marriage. He's not afraid of that addiction that no one knows about. He's not afraid of the depression that has been plaguing your mind and your heart. He's not afraid of, of the mountain of questions that stand in front of you. We have a God who is not a theory God. He's not, he's not, he's not just like a you know, watch from a distance, but a God who saw our brokenness, saw our death, saw our bondage, and willingly emptied himself to come to the earth and this God man comes fully God fully man he takes on humanity says I'm not scared of it I'm gonna walk in it I'm gonna get in the, the mud with you listen Jesus did not change he's still in the business of getting into our mess and he made a way to get us out of our mess He's not afraid to come into the dome, into the head, and say, you know that lie you're believing that you're alone? It's a lie, here's the truth. You know that lie you're believing that you're a slave to that impulse and you can't stop clicking every night on that computer? It's a lie, here's how you overcome. You know that lie you're believing that you you have to go after that person in your office and commit adultery on your spouse? No, 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 here's a way out. I'm gonna show you, I faced temptation, but I showed you a different way. We have a God who gets in the middle of the mess, And he calls you out. He says, follow my lead, follow my example. So this is, here's where we land. You know, Romans, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in the trenches of our stinky death and brokenness, that's when Jesus said, I'm going to die for you, I'm going to pull you out. And this morning, our focus is on Jesus, our Savior, not on our human failures and limitations. Our focus is on beholding Jesus, and so as the writer of Hebrews said, he says, listen, we have a high priest. He understands what you go through. He was tempted in all ways, yet he was without sin, and he gives us a charge. He gives us an invitation that this morning he's inviting all of us into. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace come close don't believe the lie that you're alone or abandoned. come close To the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We turn our attention to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, our beautiful Savior who is fully God and fully man. And we look to Jesus and we come with confidence and say, God, I am nothing, but you are everything. I don't rely on my abilities, I rely on your finished work of the cross. Jesus, I come with. With confidence. And so this morning, whatever you need, whatever you're facing, whatever temptation, don't buy the lie of the enemy that says you're the only one, but come right to the face, of the, to the place of seeking Jesus and say, Jesus, I know you understand. I know, but you showed me another way. So here I am. Church, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This morning, There are people that came to this place looking for life. And the reality is, like we've been talking about this morning, is that Jesus, fully God and fully man, he came to this earth and he walked the same dusty roads we walk. And he willingly offered his life to pay for our sins, to make a way for relationship with the Father. And the Bible says if you simply believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so if you're here this morning and you say, I need Jesus to save me, I'm putting my faith in him, would you just lift your hand wherever you are? You say, Jesus, would you save me? Would you wash me of my sins? Every person here this morning that says, Jesus, I need you to save me, wherever you're at, would you just lift your hands? One last call if you say, man, I need Jesus to save me. Just lift your hands. For the rest of us, if we're here this morning and you just say, you know what, I am so thankful for the example Jesus gave me. And I know this morning that one of those four lies, or maybe you know of another lie that the enemy's been putting in your head, you just say, I need Jesus' help. And I'm coming to his throne of grace to help find help in time of need. If you just need, you're saying, Jesus, I'm running to you. I need your help to find freedom from any one of these lies. Would you just lift your hand wherever you are? We're going to pray together, church. Awesome. Awesome. Right now, we're going to just receive that freedom. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your freedom in this place, that Jesus, you showed us a better way. Jesus, you gave us an example not to just be admired, but an example to be followed. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower us, that you give us the grace to walk in freedom. You give us the grace to overcome those things that we face. So, Lord, this morning, we receive your mercy. Jesus, we behold your beauty, and we thank you that you have shown us a different way. We surrender to you you, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that your freedom is coming into every heart in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen.